0: Um, I, I want to introduce our speaker for today, Cedra Sebastian, uh, she is a member of Renaissance, she's an educator, she's an activist, and she is an auntie. Uh, and, yo, for real, Cedra, you've been rocking Renaissance for a long time. It's been, it's been a minute. It's been like, was it launch service? It might have been not too long after launch service.
1: Um, actually the first time I went to a renaissance event was the final soul session of August 2014.
0: Wow so pre-launch. C- wow that's big. Um, <laughs> and Cedra's always just had a big smile. Um, she's a, a marathoner as, w- as well. She didn't want to she didn't want to brag since since I'm not a good runner. I guess she didn't want to throw that in my in my face. Um, but yeah every ever since I've known Cedra and I've said this publicly and privately to her, she's actually the person I go to when I'm trying to figure out what do I do? What should we do? Uh, not because she's someone who gets a lot of accolades, uh, but rather her life is just oriented towards justice. And she's learned a lot of things in the field as a practitioner that we have so much to glean from and to learn from. So I'm gonna pray for Sidra and we're gonna, I'm gonna turn it over to her. Heavenly Father, I'm so grateful for tonight, for the people that you have gathered. Lord, I pray that you would just continue to burden our hearts for whatever it is that burdens your heart. I pray that you would ignite inside of us a fire to do your will, and that you would give us clarity and conviction on the areas in which tonight, uh, and the areas in which we should start to involve our lives, uh, actually. And Lord, I pray that tonight would be a night that we would look back on and say, man, that night. When i sat in that session i i heard you speak to me i heard the lord speak to me about what it is that you would have me to do so holy spirit fill in the gaps of what no one of us knows what to say and speak to our hearts bless the words of cedra and jesus let me pray amen
1: amen amen thank you so much jordan and thank you renaissance family a ton of people have been texting me today and earlier this week and i i really appreciate it um and uh the glistening is the humidity and sweat of sheltering in place in brooklyn um but also um the joy is something that um i i gain and feel restored by every time i get to share with folks who are committed to this work so i thank you all so much in advance for being present because in so many ways you didn't have to show up today right I'm super grateful for the three amazing, fly, Black women who were brilliantly shared with us before we got to this point. Um, and their ability to take us through some really difficult, dense, but necessary information, right? So from helping us to understand race and racism in the US American context, to helping us think about the moment that we are in now, how do we get here? And then I think the one that is still sitting with me the most is around um, trauma, right? And I think sometimes folks can feel like, wow, Black folks might really have it rough right now because of everything that's happening. People of color really have it rough right now because of everything that is happening, as though they are not impacted by it. But I'm a firm believer that we are all impacted by racism. We all are impacted by it. Um, We are not absolved by not, quote unquote, participating. right? And I'll get into this a little bit later. But I also firmly believe that you might not be a racist, but you could still be a bigot. (laughs) And I think that there is space for all of us who are um, present together right now and who will be watching this later. To think about where might be other areas of our life where we get to do some unlearning where we get to be silent and study where we get to listen to other folks um, where we get to unpack our own experiences as it relates to prejudice as it relates to other systems of oppression that have a direct impact in our personal lives in the lives of our family where we worship where we wander and that this is an opportunity for us to not only take stock but to also take action. Um, So I very much hope that you all um, glean that from the time that we get to share together. Um, So Jordan is going to support me with this because Zoom is acting like it don't know. So we're going to get started with some slides and jump right in. Um, And so so um, the top slide, you know, just to remind folks that this is a conversation about becoming a doer of justice. So I trust that folks took the opportunity to watch and rewatch the previous um, three sessions or you'll get to that. So I'm not going to get into those other pieces. Spoiler alert. Next, this workshop is not the neat wrap-up to the series on gospel and race. So if you came to this, no, 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 no. That is not what we are doing today. There is not a nice neat wrap up. So if that's what you are hoping for, this is a spoiler alert. This is really just the beginning of the work that we choose to do until freedom, justice and equity is available to everybody. So you maybe thought, well, I did all three, I'm ready to go. This is still beginning phases, even for folks who might be watching this and saying, hey, I am an organizer, I am an activist, I know what's going on, I've been doing this. I want to offer to you that there's space for those of us who can say that to still deepen our work, to deepen our practice, um, to think about what reflection looks like for us so that we can not only go deeper individually but so that we can also bring others into the conversation. Next. So people often talk about this as like a moment of activity, right? A moment of all these things coming together. I wanna offer the folks next that we are actually in a lineage of movement, right? We are a part of a lineage of movement that has been happening for generations in this country specifically, around justice and equity. So right now, the date is the 28th of July. That is the moment. But if we're lifting justice and equity, we are a part of a lineage. There are folks who have come before us and people who will come after us. I want to offer us some things around language that we can take on, not just for the 90 minutes that we'll be together today, but that you can take on as you move forward in your journey. Next. So shifting from using slave to using enslaved, right? And this was something that our previous three presenters all hit on, and I want to reiterate that again. That saying somebody was enslaved speaks to what happened to them, not something that they um, did of their own volition, but they became enslaved because somebody actively, a system actively did that. Next. Folks love the word... Ally, well, some folks love the word ally. And I want to offer to folks to consider what it means for you to be an accomplice or co-conspirator. So we can be used to to hearing these words when we're watching our favorite law and order or detective series to hear that there was an accomplice, there's a co-conspirator. And I think it's really important that people take that on when we're in these conversations and in this space of movement around justice and equity, because an accomplice or co-conspirator is something greater and deeper than an ally. An ally is the friend. An accomplice is somebody who's going to go with you, who is going to be okay with being pointed at as the person who is actively acting on behalf of justice and equity. They're the person who's going to be plotting and planning with you. So if you are charging yourself to plot and plan towards justice and equity, Start calling yourself an accomplice. Start calling yourself a co-conspirator and move with that spirit. Next, colorblind. Just stop using it, period. Stop using colorblind, please. If you are speaking about race, let it go. Now, if we're talking about what our eyes can take in and noticing tone and shade, then got it. Use that term. But if we're talking about race, we have to let go of colorblind because what it does not allow the space for is the reality that people see race people see race, and not just in the States, right? Brazil is a country that has over 40 different terminologies of how it organizes people by race. There are generations and generations of people in the eastern part of the hemisphere that have whole caste systems that have to do with people's phenotype. It has to do with what people look like. It has to do with the pigmentation of their skin, their nose, the works. So let's stop using colorblind when we're talking about race we see each other right unless we don't have sight we see each other so let's let that term go and deal with what is next equality and i talked about this maybe two years ago um, when uh, renaissance did our first uh, gospel and race series Um, i gave this example around food because i love to eat and i really enjoy a really good bagel and that if I had a really good bagel and I decided to offer a piece of it to Jordan, because he wanted a piece of the bagel, I would split it in half and that would be equality, right? Two people, one bagel, each of us get a half. But equity is asking the question, has Jordan eaten? Cause if Jordan hasn't eaten, maybe he shouldn't get half. Maybe he should have more than half. Do I own the bakery? So do I have unlimited access to as many bagels as I want? Maybe I give him the entire bagel because I know that I can get more. Or maybe I decide that I'm going to shift my ownership of the bagel shop, the bakery, and ask Jordan, hey, who else is hungry? How else can I use what I have access to in my storeroom to supply your need and to supply the need of community? so equity is asking those questions so I want to offer to folks that we're moving from equality and saying well you have half or you have enough and really ask us questions that get us to equity next minority stop using it if you're talking about race stop using minority if you're talking about race if you're talking about reporting and you're talking about actual Qualitative, uh, quantitative data, got it. But if we're talking about race, minority doesn't work because guess what? Black people, indigenous people, people of color, folks who are Asian, people who are Latinx, all of those folks together are the global majority of who are the human beings in this world right now. So let's stop using minority when we're talking about race. And if you can stop using minority and you can stop using colorblind, I think all these other language shifts will be something that you can do, right? Next. So yes, right there. So the next thing that I wanna take us into in the doing is um, centering ourselves. And you might be like, but Cedra, I thought this was about community. Why are we centering ourselves? Enjoy this opportunity to center yourself, right? Mm -hmm. Because if we're gonna become a doer of justice, we first need to sit with our stuff. It can be so easy to point arrows, to point the finger, to put your nose up to what other people are doing, to what society is doing and saying it's all those other folks that have it wrong. But I, I, a good person of faith, I've got it together. And so if we really want to be a doer of justice, we have to take the time to do some self-reflection. So yes, I'm touching myself because I mean starting with me. And I want to offer folks to start with you. Next, after we deal with ourselves, we can then move on to dealing with folks in our immediate sphere. So that could include people that we work with, folks we worship with, all the places and circles that we wander. And then the next level out from there is, next, society at large, right? And so at this moment, I would just want to recognize that all of this might be very overwhelming. Like, why is she trying to make me do my stuff, immediate folk stuff, and society stuff? I'm not trying to make you do anything. I'm offering that it's possible. And if you're in a place at a capacity of, I don't know where to start, and I don't know that I have it all in me. If all that you do is focus on yourself, that will be a huge impact because none of us live in isolation, right? And we are not incarcerated in the United States. We are not living in isolation, even as we shelter in place. So become aware of the things that make you who you are, what makes you tick, sit in that space and start to do that unpacking. And I think that's something that's very much aligned with what the three previous presenters shared with us. Next. So a part of the me stuff has to do with learning and unlearning. So all the folks who are part of this webinar right now, you're in that process of learning and unlearning. You might have been doing this before in conversations with your neighbors, with people that you work with. Um, You might have gone through the New York Times bestseller list in June (laughs) and look at all the black authors and folks of color that surfaced to your attention because they were talking about being anti-racist or they were talking about um, racism in a way that you had not heard of before that is an opportunity to continue to doing the learning and unlearning, reading, but also listening and studying, right? And so it's so important for us to realize, you know, I, I forget who must've been somebody in, in high school who shared this with me, but it stuck with me that we have two ears so we can listen twice as much as we speak. So as we're learning and unlearning, really paying attention to what other people are saying and the experiences around us and to study that right um i don't know about you but the one thing that i got to binge so far the lo-fi is everywhere um i can tell you everything that happened right because i was listening i was watching i was studying so listening and studying those are the things that we do all the time whether we call it that or not So we definitely have the capacity to listen and study as it relates to justice and equity. Next, questioning. So this is a space that can be a little tricky because you might feel like, well, I don't know if I should ask this question. I don't know if it is the right question. I think we all know when somebody is using questioning as a way to gaslight us in a way that somebody is questioning because they really want to know because they are interested in your perspective, because they want to create a shift in their own being. And if we're attuned to where people are coming from, we can pick up that this is necessary questioning that's gonna allow for this person to forward in their thoughts and to forward in their action. Next. We have gathering and building solidarity, right? And so it's interesting that Jordan was asking about when I started out at Renaissance, but I think that that is an example of gathering and building solidarity. Before it was a church, it was a gathering of people in folks apartment in a cultural center around some very good peach cobbler talking about Christ. So even though gathering looks different because Rona is still running these streets, There's so many ways that people are still gathering. So how can we use the ways in which we gather to build solidarity and by solidarity as an example. I don't mean um, Something that is performative or something that is one time, but it is ongoing. So if I give money to an amazing organization that is building equity and justice to forward and center black folks, indigenous folks, and people of color. Building solidarity would look like after I give my coins, I call five to 10 people and say, hey, I just donated to this amazing organization. Let me tell you about it. Here's the link. I want y'all to give too. That's building solidarity. That's me calling them and saying, hey, what else can I do? And taking that not doing what I want to do, (laughs) but taking what they have instructed me to do and build solidarity based on my actions. Next, action. So you may have thought we're going to go right into the nitty gritty of stuff. And she is still talking. How is it that we are 10 minutes in and this is the first time that she said action. And I'm talking about being a doer. I think sometimes we can jump in with good intention to take action and fail, get bruised, and bruise other people because we don't take those other steps. And I get it. I feel it every day more and more the necessity for us to go deeper in our work, right? To get more people to gather and to take this charge of being a doer of justice wherever we are. And that is work. Organizing is work. Creating legislative packages that address these issues is work. And so is protesting. And so is educating yourself and educating others. So in order for us to do this action, we have to recognize that the work looks lots of different ways, but there's pre-work that we have to do before we get to the action. Next, reflect rest and reset sometimes we don't take the moment to actually pause and reflect on an experience for those of you who may have participated in any number of letter writing or uh donating money or protesting did you stop to reflect on what that experience meant for you did you stop to reflect on what that experience meant for folks who were in community with you Was there a win? Did you pause to celebrate that win? Did something go wrong? Did you have a moment to stop and talk about what went wrong and what can be done better for next time? Are we resting, right? Um, People have all different kinds of terms for it, but very simply, folks is tired, like big tired, right? What are things that we're doing practically to rest? And how are we also taking the time to reset? because maybe in our reflection we realize, oh, the tools that we were using really didn't work or the strategy we were using really didn't work. So we're gonna get back to action, but we need to reset, look at the plan and see if there's anything that we can tweak. Next, yes, and continue to learn and unlearn. And sometimes these different things zigzag, but they're all a part of what we get to do as we go on this journey of being a doer of justice. Next. So now we're gonna take a moment to connect and reflect. Um, So folks may have gotten the message and the link to the three previous workshops that we got to be a part of as a Renaissance community. Um, And some folks who are on now, you were on live and got to experience um, the richness um, of those presentations. I know for me, I took notes. (laughs) And um, one of the things that really sat with me that I want to share is that in the midst of all that is occurring, to, and this is something that Dr. Sherita Lyons said, um, that all pain has purpose and no wound is wasted. And it really stuck with me um, doing this work for so long in different spaces you don't always get to celebrate wins right because racism is pervasive because sexism is pervasive because classism is pervasive these systems of oppression are structured in a way that they are tied together they're tied to capitalism they're tied to education and they have been operating for 400 plus years on stolen land and so it can feel like a defeat even when you have a win But this is something that I'm holding on to, that all pain has purpose and no wound is wasted. That total healing is coming. And so I wanna pause to give people an opportunity in small group for you to talk with each other about what you're sitting with from those three uh, workshops, what you're sitting with from what I've gotten to share with you so far.
0: Did you have any questions for them post-group?
1: I don't have any questions, Um, thank you.
0: Yes.
1: Like for real, thank you, right? Um, I was sharing with the breakout group something that I wanna share with folks um, in this moment, but um, you know, this is a tough time to be alive. And it's also kind of like, this is the time that we were meant to be alive for. And if you're ever in a point where you are questioning what is going on with my life, why is this happening to me, um, I think as people of faith, as uh, Christ believers, that you say that because it was meant for you to be here at this time, right? And I hope that that brings you some sort of solace. Um, I'm also grateful that you really decided to show up and to be present, because to go through those four questions in 15 minutes is not a short task, you know, to spend the five hours, whether it was live, um, with the the three previous um, workshops or in your preparation to join us today, that took time. And a big part of what I want for folks to think about as we go forward in our work together is that, yeah, it does take time. It absolutely takes time. And the way that we might prioritize the next thing that we wanna binge or the way that we might prioritize what time we're gonna go outside to run so we don't melt, we get to prioritize our time that we spend on actively being anti-racist, on actively not being a bigot, on actively allowing ourselves to be in a space of learning and unlearning so we can do this meaningful work well. Oh yes, shout out for putting S414 there. Thank you. Um, So we're gonna jump into the remaining slides. And um, there's some that I'm going to ask Jordan to really skip through and others that we're going to spend a little bit more time on. Um, So this next one, this next level, right? Where you work, worship, and wander. I was an English major. I love alliteration. So we're going to get a lot of that through this presentation. So where we work, worship, and wander, right? Next. That is our immediate sphere. But this could be where we have some of our toughest conversations because we are in immediate proximity. Next. So let's take a moment next and uh, for a real life example. And I'll just give one and not all of them. Um, So one of the things that Renaissance has done to create community is have lobby time at the end of Sunday services. And it's a digital space for folks to connect and to share in the same way that we would do if we were in our actual physical lobby. And during one of the lobby times, one of the things that someone shared, I think, is such a real example of what we can do in our immediate sphere. So this person was sharing that, you know, they were hearing from a lot of their colleagues um, that what was happening now as it related specifically to um, police brutality and black folks um, being killed by the police as being a black and white thing. And because they neither identified or black or white, it wasn't their thing, but that didn't sit well with them. And what they ended up doing was checking in with some of their black colleagues to one, hear from them, to be with them, to listen to them, to two, to offer using them to say that I know because of the position that I sit in this company, I can move a conversation along that you might not be able to. And then three, to actually follow up and do what they said that they would do. So in their listening and hearing to their colleagues about how they were feeling and what they were thinking, they were an ally. The moment that they said to them, I recognize that in my privilege and position, I can move a conversation forward they became an accomplice. They used their position, they used their privilege to say, I can create the conversation that you're saying we're missing at work. I can create a space for that to happen. I know that I will be heard in a different way than you will be heard. And then they followed through and got that done. And so it created an opportunity in their workspace to not just have everybody reflect on what they were seeing on a national level. And this was specifically a few weeks after um, the murder of George Floyd went viral um, because a 17-year-old girl happened to capture it live, right? This was an opportunity where they recognized that they could show their kindness and their empathy and do more. So again, from ally to accomplice. So that's a real life example. And I wanna set that there for people to consider how with your privilege and your position, whatever that might be, you can also be a doer of justice in that way. Next, more tease, more alliteration, consider your time, your treasure and your talent, right? And this is something that you get to consider as it relates to society at large. So you might be thinking, well, I don't have a whole lot of talent. Or treasure, do you mean money? I don't have it. Time, how do I have more time, or all of the things that are happening. I would like to offer that each of us have at least one of these things, and we probably have all three if we think about it, right? And so next, taking a moment for some of the teas, right? And so one of the T's that I want to focus on is um, time. Uh, Excuse me, talent. I'm going to focus on talent. So um, I I guess it was the end of May, beginning of June. um, Jordan and I were talking and I reached out because I saw that Renaissance was organizing a group of folks to come together for one of the more family centered protests that were taking place. And I called because I knew that this was an area that I had talent, that I had expertise, and I wasn't sure what type of planning folks were doing um, to make sure that it was the best possible experience for whoever was participating. And so I was sharing with Jordan all of this and said, you know, I don't plan on going because I have other priorities and considerations. However, this is something that I do on a regular basis, helping to mobilize people, helping people to think strategically about what their message is, what their direct action, which is what a protest is, what that could look like, and what is the purpose of it? What do they hope to push forward because of the direct action? And so pull some different things together and shared it as a way to offer to the community, right? So even though I wasn't there for that particular protest, I was able to use the skills that I had to be in contribution, right? For many different reasons, going to a protest, going to a rally, going to a visual might not be something that you can do. It could be because you are on parole (laughs) and the state that you are in going to a protest or a rally might be a violation of your parole. It could be because you are somebody who are undocumented and your concern is that if you are detained, that it will then move from a police precinct to a situation where you have to deal with ICE. It could be because physically it's not the best space for you to be in, whether it's you're claustrophobic or you um, have a hard time moving in tight spaces, but there are ways that you can be in contribution with your talent. So wanting to offer for folks to consider as you're thinking about your impact to society at large, your time, your treasure, and your talent. Next. So back to this me, right? Again, we can radiate so much getting ourselves right. And if we are able, we can radiate to our immediate sphere. And if we are able, we can move to society at large. It's not just about ability though, it is about a commitment and making it a priority. Next. So questions for y'all to consider. What are you amplifying, right? What are you being a microphone for? How are you being somebody who's pumping up the volume for a particular cause? What are you creating distance from, right? What are things that you are saying? Because I'm on this path to being a doer of justice, I need to distance myself from this language or these thoughts or this type of behavior. And how are you actively challenging racism and bigotry? Next. So again, because this is a renaissance, our church home, I wanna offer what I've said already, that it's not enough for us to say that I'm a good person of faith. We have to prioritize being anti-racist and not being a bigot. Next, we have to be commitment to movement and not moments and performance, right? Um, I think the arts, and I mean theater, poetry, Um, Murals, all dance, um, are so important to moving movements forward, right? Um, There's so many leaders who will tell you, if it wasn't for that chant, if it wasn't for that piece of art, that visual art, because of that play, it inspired me, or I was inspired by what was happening, so I created this play they would not be able to move forward, right? I know some people on here, I'm not gonna give no shout outs, movement, dance is what gives them life and allows for them to do this work. But sometimes we can kind of sit in what things look like, right? performing justice, performing equity, so not really doing it in the moment and it being disconnected from movement, right? Next, that we are questioning and reflecting on the use of our time, our talent and our treasure. Next slide. So some learnings, I just wanna give a shout out that tons of things are happening right now. So literally today, um, amazing people are in conversation with each other about ways in which we get to learn and unlearn. Um, one thing there that I want to, you know, insert is that, uh, for educators who are on the line or for folks who are a part of, um, organizations, there's a really amazing podcast that was done by, uh, Rio Wong and, uh, she hosts this really dope podcast series. Um, and, The one in particular um, featured Benny Vasquez, who is an educator, Um, and it's a really great conversation about the ways in which racism and education are tied together. Yes, Benny! Um, But it also gives some insight into what people can do within their organizations, right? Um, folks might have been following on social media, share the mic. There's been some great conversations between Dr. Blay and Tarana Burke and others um, that I want to encourage folks to tap into. And then also um, movement to end violence. Sometimes in our um, our push to like find things that are specifically doing, uh, well, undoing racism work, we look for things that have race in the title. And that can allow for us to miss lots of different things. Movement to End Violence focuses on justice and equity by um, centering survivors. Um, and they have amazing work. Um, and I'll share more about it before we conclude, including a series of webinars that are coming up to help people be in similar conversations over a greater period of time. Uh, next. Um, Gathering and direct action. So as I said, a protest is one type of direct action. Creating art, one particular part of direct action. Uh, For those of you who have been following things that teens are doing, they figure, a group of teens earlier this month figured out a way to stop a, a rally from happening by blocking the ticket sales. And so the stadium was practically empty, right? So there are different things that we can do creatively, different strategies that we can use creatively as a direct action. We get to do it by intentionally building solidarity. Um, And we also get to respect and learn from tactics of the past and the present. Sometimes we can be very much of all the things that our elders did, which is amazing and great and wonderful, and dismiss the things that younger folks or people who you might not know the names are, are doing now. And I just want to offer to folks that we can learn amazing things from our elders, um, folks who have recently gone on to the other side of the world, and folks who are still with us. Um, That's my block, motorcycles, and y'all fitting to hear some fireworks soon, too. Um, So please bear with the background. (laughs) Um, But we also get to pay attention of what folks are doing right now. Um, And I don't want to dismiss the work that young people have been doing. Next. So I want to direct folks to, um, if you're thinking about, you know, legislative things and policy, a couple of things to consider. The DREAM Act is a piece of legislation and the link is there. I'm going to type it inside uh, the chat so folks can see it that is what I would call a progressive and comprehensive look at how we can shift investing in this country to really center those who are most marginalized and most harmed because of racism in this country. Um, And I encourage you to read it on your own. I encourage you to study it, right? But I think it's an impactful piece of legislation that came together because of the long-time organizing work of Movement for Black Lives, right? That they were able to use their leverage in their organizing to bring legislatures to their side and say, hey, we have done this work. We need you to champion this act. Will you do it? And I encourage people to take the time to read it. So many times we forward things and we don't spend the time to read it. Please read it. and to think about what you can do on the local, state, and federal level. I think when we are in an election season that also includes a presidential run, people pay attention to elections more than when it's the off season. Um, I think if we've learned nothing in these last four years, it's how important all the levels, in particular local elections are. We are less than 100 days from the first Tuesday in November, which is election day in the United States, less than 100 days away. What would it look like for you to begin to put your plan together as to how you're going to vote, whether Rona is still in these streets or not, and to gather your community to think about how everybody who is eligible to vote gets to vote. Next. Your coins, I talk about this all the time, buying black is not a fad, doing business with minority and women businesses, that is not a fad. These are choices that we get to make daily and it's a way to prioritize your coins, the monies that you directly manage. That can have an impact in this conversation around justice and equity. Next. So um, choose your strategy and repeat it often. Sometimes we do things one time and we're like, oh my gosh, and this thing is still persisting. Guess what? Because there's a whole structure around it. There are whole systems that have tied together and they have been working for generations. So we need to make sure that when we choose our one strategy or our multiple strategies, that we are repeating them often. Next. We also need to know our tools, know your tools, right? So if you're somebody who's like, yes, I'm gonna take what I've learned from these four workshops and talk to my family about anti-racism because I can't take another so-called joke at the dinner table. Know your tools. Know what strategies you're going to use to have that conversation with your family members. Is it everybody? Is it one person? Would it be better if you pulled one person to the side and say, hey, you know, I just want to let you know that when you said this joke, I actually didn't think it was funny, and here's why. Is that a strategy that you should use and talk to that person 101? If you've learned some new things from the things that you've been reading and the podcasts that you've been listening to and these conversations and you decide that, yes, direct action is where it is for me, know your tools. Don't go to a protest and not be prepared, right? Don't organize something and do it alone. Do it together, right? Do it together, know your tools. You also don't want to use the wrong tool in a particular situation, right? So what would it look like for you to bring a screwdriver when you have a flathead and you need a hammer, right? You're not gonna get the job done. It's gonna not be great work. What does it look like when you bring the wrong tools to your community, to conversations around undoing racism, around being a stand for justice and equity? If you don't have the right tools, if you're not sure how to use them, if they get a little rusty because you've been doing the same strategies over and over again, I want to offer to you that this is a time that you really check in with your tools. There might be some things that you need to throw away because they're broken. So maybe for you, you're like, protests as a tool doesn't work for me anymore for whatever reason. Pick up some other tools. Maybe it, it is a legislative path. Maybe it is doing more education and sharing, but really think about the tools that you are using to do this work. Next. Um, so this talk could have easily have been my thoughts on what we need to do to be doers of justice, because I've been saying a lot to you about my thoughts. It can all be easily dismissed as opinion. And I wanna offer that it's really rooted in the work that I have done and work that I've done in community. The people that I have named, the organizations that I've named are filled with people who I've been doing this work with for some time. Are filled with people who are new to me, but I deeply respect because of how they're choosing to come to this work. And I really encourage folks beyond this conversation to do your work, right? Because you might find other folks that you feel aligned to. Um, So if I had to sum it up in one slide, my thoughts on what we need to do is all of these things. We need a reckoning, which was something that we talked about in breakout room 16, right? We need an accounting of the impacts of racism and we can't be wish-washy about it. I think an amazing attempt in, not attempt because it's brilliant, right? A great piece of research that is getting um, uh, a bad rap is the best way that I can think about it is the 1619 Project, right? That was pulled together by amazing journalist and researcher, Nicole Hannah-Jones. And, you know, when I heard that it was coming out, the journalist that I thought of was Ida B. Wells. And her journalistic work nearly 100 years ago to document lynching in the United States of America, right? And so here it is, this 1619 project that is, uh, you know, what the Pulitzer Prize calls long-form journalism. Um, but this, this depth of research that was done, right, in print, but also with video and also with podcasts, that is available to people right now. If you're like, I don't understand the history of this country. I don't understand how. It is a great place to start and to be with your learning and unlearning. Um, Community and solidarity, so important. Um, And be in community, because that's where you're going to get feedback. You can think that you're doing something the right way and get feedback from community that's like, oh, oh, okay. So I guess I'm going to stop doing that, because it's actually not working. If you're doing things on your own, you'll miss out on that feedback. And that is so key, that is so key, if we're gonna be in this work together. It's not enough to shift hearts and minds, we also have to shift behavior. We need to get funding and policy that is aligned. There are tons of things that people have done with $0. And there are people who will keep doing great work, whether or not somebody funds them, whether that's mutual aid or a grant from somewhere. There are people who will continue to do that work regardless of funding. But I believe that there's an abundance of resources in this country, and folks don't have to do the work without that support. And so how is it that we are connecting policy and funding in a way that shows that our priorities are justice and equity? We get to align with accomplices and co-conspirators for this journey of justice and equity, and we get to do this consistently over time. Next. So I want to um, wind down with this uh, tweet from somebody who I respect and is an amazing author and professor, Dr. Mani Perry. Um, and this is from uh, almost a month ago. It says, trainings and consultations will not dismantle racism and racial inequity. In fact, we have to consider how they might prop up racism giving participants a false sense of virtue and a tidy way to disengage from the harder work of creating new and just social arrangements. I'm not saying don't do them at all, but rather that people must understand you can't check a box of self-approval when dealing with centuries of long structures of domination. We could have spent 90 minutes just talking on those two tweets. The thing that I want for folks to really underline and focus on is the work that we are beginning to do, the work that we are doing, it's not to be done to check a box. So if you're working in an organization that's like, oh, we just did our training, we're good for the year. It's not about checking a box. If you're saying to yourself, yes, I made it to all four. It's not about checking a box. Again, the spoiler alert, (laughs) this is just the beginning. And so we have to do more than the necessary unpacking that consultations and trainings allow for us to do. We cannot stop there. We cannot think that the work is done because we've sat through a number of workshops. Next. So again, today, we are a part of the lineage for the movement for justice, equity, and freedom. Next. And I would like for folks to consider what our prayers might look like as we move forward. Right? Um, Again, as people of faith, I think prayer is so important. My sister signs her signature in a particular way that reminds me how important prayer is. And so anytime I get an email from her, I see it and it's like, got it. What what might our prayers look like as we commit or recommit to do this work of justice and equity? And so I want to um, stop here and, you know, just really thank folks for your time and attention. Um, I'm sweaty. I'm sure you're sweaty too. And it has nothing to do with the heat or humidity per se, Um, but this is a part of the work. This is a part of the work. And I thank folks for being present and um, choosing to take this on. It is not light work but it's work that we get to do together. This is not a quick fix. It's gonna be messy. We're going to mess up. And yes, the stakes are high. There's some, there's some mistakes that we just can't we just can't have happen. But you deciding that you are going to take this on is not a mistake. So take it on. When you get called out, I hope that you also get called forward And if nobody calls you forward, I hope that you call yourself forward. We get to recognize our missteps. We get to be with our mess and we still get to be in contribution to this movement. If you're somebody who studies history, there is not one perfect civil rights leader. There is not one perfect politician There is not one great president of this stolen land that we call the United States of America. There's not one perfect person. I am not a perfect person. And so I encourage you in the things that you feel that you are lacking, in your perceived imperfections that you choose to move in solidarity with community in all the times that i feel low and i do feel low i hold on to joy and when i cannot find it i create it for myself and for others and when i do not have the energy to create it for myself and for others i remember that i am present and so i can do so I thank y'all for your time and I would love to respond to reflections or questions that folks may have.
0: Yes <clears throat> give it up give up some digital uh some digital amens and, and shout outs and claps for Sidra. Um a couple of things you said that really blew me away Cedra. I really feel like um tonight really helped me in my imagination for how I can imagine being a doer of justice and one thing that stuck out to me that you said is to choose your strategy and repeat often. And I really love a couple of things. Since I'm a preacher, I love your alliterations. And uh, you know, <laughs> you're know, a preacher, whether or not you want to admit it. But um, you need to add that to your six words. I think you only have five, so you can add preacher to that eventually. <laughs> um, but uh, really, this this concept of starting with me, moving to my inner circle, and then potentially, or maybe not, eventually getting to society at large. And I think too many people wanna jump straight to society at large before they have done me and before they have done my inner circle. And so like you mentioned a couple of really tangible things. One of these things is like in education. So you said we need an accounting of the impact of racism. Um, Earlier on Twitter a couple months ago, someone asked a a very informal poll, how many people have heard about the Tulsa race riots um, and the the demolishing of Black Wall Street in school, how many people have been taught that? And you know, in the poll, I forgot what the number was, but well above 90% of people were never taught about this. And there's a selective erasure of so many facets of our history and how we understand ourselves, how we understand our country. Um, and let's just say education is the way that I want to be. That that I want that to be my strategy, right? So I need to start with me. And I need to educate myself. So I need to really invest in the 16, 19 project, like you said, Cedra, and other things to learn and to unlearn. And then I need to not jump to society at large and start, you know, get in the soapbox. After I work on me and continue to learn and unlearn, I need to take that to my inner circle. And correct me if I'm wrong, Cedra, I'm probably going to make a lot of mistakes there. I got dirt bikes on my street now, too. So you might have, They uh, <laughs> They look, they zipping through, they're going over the bridge. So then moving to my inner circle, and then eventually maybe that will turn into something in society at large, but that's so powerful. Whatever your strategy is, start with you, take it to your inner circle, then eventually uh, maybe to society at large. There's actually now senators and congressmen. I'm sorry, go ahead.
1: I wanted to pop in because I know in particular, we have a ton of educators in our community. And so one, just like extra love to y'all these last four months. I mean, all the things that you have had to manage, so much gratitude, if you stop hearing it, I just I just want you to hold on to how amazing your job is. Um, and you know, you're the reason why I fought so hard and will continue to fight that New York City in particular, reinvest dollars in our schools. Like that is a specific thing that people can continue to fight for. But also specifically because you brought up 1619, there are folks who actively revise textbooks. And wow. erasure is real.
0: Wow. It
1: doesn't happen. There are people who actively revise textbooks. And there are people who benefit from that, wow. right? If you're like, I got time, <laughs> this could be something that you decide to take on, right? Another piece about erasure that has actively happened um, and this campaign for it kind of have ebbs and flow has to do with what we call ethnic studies. They're a group of educators and students across this country in high schools and colleges who are standing for ethnic studies, right? That is not enough to compartmentalize Um, everything that is not uh, a white version of US history in a semester course, but that people should be able to have access to this information um, throughout their education, right? And so if you're like, I am an educator, I have a particular set of skills and networks, and I have time, that could be one of three things that you decide to focus on. What is happening with the revision of textbooks and curriculum that is um, changing language, that is whitewashing history, that is erasing people's contributions. Um, What is something, especially New York, how is it that you can advocate for what your school needs because you know, because you're in the classroom, right? And some people on here are educators and your parents too. And then also this fight for um, funding for and, and uh, really amplifying the importance of ethnic studies. So I just wanted to offer those three specific things.
0: That's amazing. You can offer whatever you want. You can cut in whenever you want to and offer something. Um, that's really good. Any educators in here, anybody that has, um, if anybody has a suggestions for authors of textbooks that we could be helping to you know, lobby with the DOE to adopt um, you can email those to us, and we can kind of we can put those out as a resource. I mean, it's so pervasive, C.J. It's in every since you're talking about structures that have existed for for generations. It's in every industry. So I, I most recently heard about how on two of the we know that COVID has disproportionately affected Black and Brown communities for a variety of different reasons. And one of the things that some people are in in just completely outraged about is they're the first. Several rounds of vaccine testing—they're um, overwhelmingly, if not exclusively, testing on white people to see if those vaccines are effective. Not taking into account uh, how different how different people, based on obviously you know not phenotypical differences, but based on you know our, our our lineage and whatever else, how we would all respond to the vaccine. So even as the comorbidities and whatever other things that black people are being systematically excluded from even the the efficacy trials of these vaccines. And it's not compartmentalizing the Advocacy work in your, if you're in the medical field, could be making sure that there's an equitable and just uh, path towards seeking even a a cure for this. So I think we need a good imagination wherever we are. Yeah, uh,
1: definitely a good imagination. I think something also for people to consider, because you brought up the medical field, There's such an unfortunate history of black people, specifically indigenous people specifically in this country, not feeling connected to the medical services or the system of care in this country because what has been done to them, right? So whether we're talking about the sterilization that happened Um, in Tuskegee, in Puerto Rico, women, Puerto Rican women who were sterilized, when we talk about the genocide that has happened to indigenous people and how that was done within the medical system. There's an amazing collection of essays, um, this book called Thick, and one of the chapters is called Dying to be Competent. Um, And the woman who wrote it, um, Tressie, Macmillan Cotton, I'm just uh, writing it in here real quick. Uh, That particular chapter, Dying to be Competent, she talks about her personal experience as a black woman who has degrees on degrees, seeking medical care while she was pregnant, did not receive it, was blamed And this her first pregnancy was blamed for the pain that she was feeling, was not attended to, and unfortunately lost her child. And this is not just the story of Serena. And this is not just the story of Tressie. This is a story of Black women, women of color, indigenous folks in this country. So I can understand why, um, especially with COVID, so many things are tricky you know, folks questioning do we even want to volunteer to be a part of these efficacy trials, but also very clear on why this has not been addressed and why folks have not looked to think about how these trials are taking place in a way that is um, helping us to, to garner some facts around how it's impacting um, Black folks, people of color in this country. Um, Yeah. So like I said, it's, it's deep, it's layered. There's so much. um, There's so much.
0: Yeah. You have given us so much Sidra. So um, yeah, if you had to leave us um, with some final words and I'm going to pray for us after that, but uh, if there was anything that you'd really want us to, to go away, to take away with us um, and we'll, we'll, hopefully be able to distribute at least a piece of your presentation so everyone can have some notes and different things. Yeah. Um, we'll have, um, yeah what would you leave us with?
1: Yeah, so two things. Um, I see comfort in few places. Um, one of the things that stuck with me for a very long time, talking about how things are connected, is um, Luke 12, 48 to whom much is given, much is expected, or depending on the version that you're reading, to whom much is given, much is required. And the first time I heard that was actually in my middle school's alma mater uh, song. And I remember somebody saying, oh, that's Bible. And I was like, okay. (laughs) And when I got older, and actually would go through the Bible, I went to it. I was like, where is this thing that folks, Luke, Luke, is somewhere in Luke and reading through Luke and just trying to get to it, right? To say like, yes, that's in my middle school's motto. Um, And it reminded me of some of the, one of the things that I learned from my my parents, specifically my mom, um, that with the little that we have, we are still in the space to give. And actually we're required to give, right? And so from a very young age, that was something that was instilled in my siblings and I, that whatever we thought we had that was little, we were required to give. Our much might be little to us, but is really a big deal to somebody else, right? Um, so that is something that I, that I go back to. Um, Another thing that I go to is actually someone who, um, I got to meet through my work at an amazing organization in Harlem. She's a rabbi. And um, she was one of the founding uh, board members of the Brotherhood Sister Soul. And her name is Rabbi Rachel Cowan. And I keep it um, with some things that I look at every day. And it's a quote from her that says, working for justice with a loving heart we sustain hope and courage, cultivating our heart and soul. We see clearly and are impelled to seek justice. Um, and I think those two things—you know—the quote from Rabbi Rachel and Luke 12:14 are often things that keep me going. Um, I'm in a space personally where. You know, my 2020 vision was kicking off the year traveling (laughs) and spending time with family and resting and figuring out um, what would be next for me. And, um, you know, it has not gone in that way. And um, in the face of all the many horrific things that um, has been reoccurring that has been revealed to some and to others it, it's been a reoccurring situation it's not anything new it's just more unfortunate um I, I think of the ways that i can create small joys for myself and and these are things that i don't post <laughs> these are things that i don't talk to people about right this is not the floss this is the thing that is just for me right um, and I encourage people to find out what that is. Like, I'm not gonna tell you what my thing is because it's, it's for me, right? It's the thing that I don't share. Um, but to find the thing that you can do for yourself that does not create harm to others and does not create harm to yourself, but it can be a little small joy. I think in many ways, um, the, the time that we are in now, um, we have leaped through a portal that is forcing all of us to level up and whether that was January 1 or 2020 that that opened for folks or whether that was the second week of March that that has opened with folks or whether that was realizing the pervasiveness of of racism and racial violence in this country we are at a point now where more people have to continue to choose to level up. We can no longer have small groups of people who are organizing and fighting towards justice. Um, and if you're thinking, well, I'm a Christian, great. I'm a Christian too. And I'm a Christian that understands that freedom is connected to my Christian faith. And so, so those are the things that I would, I would leave with folks. And again, um, just a great deal of dr- gratitude for folks in the Renaissance community who have chosen to be on this like, virtual journey through this series, um, but who are choosing all the many ways in which in your life you are stepping in to do this work. I thank you. Um, I thank the three women who were able to contribute to our family um, over the last two months and um I, I hope that you choose to continue to do this work regardless of your stumbling of yourself if you think that you're a hot mess your hot mess can be useful um that you bring yourself to this work um being open and being committed to the journey so thank you again everyone i really appreciate y'all oh
0: man thank you so much Sidra, and um extremely grateful for your witness in my life personally and also in this community. I love how you always point us back to even the sustaining rhythms and that we need to find those sustaining rhythms. My therapist talks about that a lot to me, to find those joys that will keep us going, uh, that we're not going to solve this all in two weeks, so we might as well find good rhythms so we can go for the long haul. So thank you so much for that. Uh, We'll we'll send up a follow-up email uh, with instructions on how to re-access this video as well as some notes uh, for you to go back to what those things are but always start with you move to your inner circle and then get to eventually society at large and find your strategy choose your strategy and repeat it often uh, and often so uh, i'm gonna pray for us right now and uh, we'll enjoy the rest of our our evenings Uh, heavenly father lord i pray that you would just give us clarity when we are confused but for others of us lord we don't we don't need clarity lord we need courage we need boldness Uh, we need your spirit to motivate us to move um, in the direction that you're calling us even if it's a little scary maybe it's a conversation with someone that's close to us that we've been dreading um lord maybe it's uh, something more bold whatever it is lord i pray that you would just fill us with the courage of your holy spirit to take that step in obedience and faith knowing that you are with us your rod and your staff they guide us and they comfort us lord for those of us who need clarity i pray that you would just give us an imagination lord i also pray that you would give us just enough clarity for the next step ahead Um, certainly Lord, we don't need the whole staircase just enough light for the next step so would you illuminate our next steps for us show us exactly where we should involve ourselves and lord just continue to unite us around your kingdom coming in harlem and in brooklyn and all over new york city and all over this country as it is in heaven and we ask this in jesus name we pray amen and amen amen all right love y'all
1: love y'all too take good care thank you family